I'm James Milley. And I'm Alex Muto. And this is The Artist Business Plan. Your favorite weekly business podcast for artist entrepreneurs hosted by Superfine Art Fair. What's going on, business artists? You are listening to The Artist Business Plan, which means that you, and that's you, are certifiably awesome. My name is Alex Mito. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Superfine Art Fair. We're the most widespread art fair for artists in the U.S. We're also one of the top resources for all things art, artists, marketing your art, and of course, building your very own thriving art business. Today, we've got Alicia Puig here with us on the mic. Alicia has been on the show before and she is back. She's going to answer common artist questions and break down the ideas behind Create Magazine, one of the best magazines for artists out there. I am very excited to hear what she has to say to us. But first, I've got an amazing offer here for you ABP listeners. Artists, have you ever felt anxious, alone, and unsure about the next move in your career? Good news, those days are over. Since 2015, we've spent thousands of hours developing the best art fair model for independent artists just like you who want to take control of your career, build your collector list, and make a real sustainable income from your art. Superfine started with the connection between artists and an eager, empowered, qualified buying audience. So many alternatives didn't provide any real value for the artists who spent their precious time, hard-earned money, and major effort mounting and exhibiting their work without the results to back it up. And that meant that it was time for something new. For seven years, Superfine has focused on breaking down these barriers and creating sustainable economic opportunities for artists to build careers from our fair. To find your place at a Superfine fair, simply visit www.superfine.world slash sell hyphen your hyphen art. Don't miss the chance to be part of the top business artist community in the world. Oh, and when you mention the artist business plan, you'll receive $150 credit on your booth, no matter what size or city you choose. So that's $150 off. Go online to www.superfine.world slash sell hyphen your hyphen art to set up your qualification call with James and get started selling your art with Superfine today. Again, that's www.superfine.world slash sell hyphen your hyphen art. All right. So we are back here with friend of the show, Alicia Puig. In addition to running PXP Contemporary as its curator and CEO, Alicia Puig is the director of business operations for Create Magazine, an arts writer, and a co-author of the book, The Complete Smartest Guide. If you haven't read that, you should order your copy now. Um, It's amazing. I have read it, and we've given it to all the artists at Superfine, and it's a fantastic book. Um, She has worked in the arts for over 15 years, both in the U.S. and abroad, Her writing has been featured in publications and on blogs, including Create Magazine, Beautiful Bazaar Magazine, All She Makes Magazine, Art Scene Magazine, and Art Spiel, among others. Additionally, she has served as a guest curator for All She Makes, Rise Art, Hastings College, Repaint History, Visionary Art Collective, Altamira, and For Show Fields. Welcome to the Artist Business Plan, Alicia. Hi, Alex. Thank you so much for having me again. I'm excited to chat with you. Yeah, we're excited to have you back. So hopefully we touch on some new stuff, maybe run over some of the old stuff too. And I think it's going to be fun. So now before we get started, Alicia, um, we asked you in the past what your earliest memory of art was. So I want to ask you a new question. And that is, what was the last piece of art that you saw that really blew you away? Tell us about it. 
I love this question, and I could probably give a bunch of answers, but I'm going to stick to two and kind of keep myself to that. The first would have to be, I don't know if you've heard of the artist duo called Studio Drift, but they're an Amsterdam-based duo, like I said, and they focus on sculptures and kinetic installations. And the work is all about connecting humans with nature, and it's just really quintessentially beautiful, beautiful work. And I almost hate using that because it feels cliche to call it that, but it just, it really, that's kind of just the best word that I can come up with to describe it. And specifically, I saw their their work first at their retrospective in Amsterdam at the Stedelijk Museum um, when I lived there back in 2017, 2018. And their that was one of the best museum exhibitions I'd ever seen. Um, but one of the pieces that really stood out was actually a, a performance that they did. And it was back in 18. It's called Franchise Freedom. You can probably find videos of it online, which I highly recommend to do. It is where they threw, um, they organized um, 300 illuminated drones at night. And it was all outside over the Eye River. And there were just hundreds of people watching and there was music that went along with the drones. I mean, again, the the best word that I can come up is that it was just such a beautiful experience to see all of these drones flying together, mimicking the patterns of birds and also seeing it with hundreds of other people there. I mean, it's something that hasn't happened for, at least for me, I haven't been in any kind of situation where I've been with that many people. So it's just kind of nostalgic to think about that. And there's also this element of it being homegrown talent. You know, they're Amsterdam-based and we saw it there. So everyone was just, there's a sense of pride that you could kind of feel in the air. So I think that would definitely have to be um, one of the most exciting pieces that I've ever seen. Um, But more, I'll do the one that's most recent. And that was actually in 2020, kind of obviously near the beginning of the pandemic, there was an exhibition that opened up here in Costa Rica where I live. And it was at the National Museum, and it just happened to be one of my favorite artists, who is a Costa Rican artist. And it's nice because I live fairly close to the museum. It's like 10 minutes walking distance from here. And so I, it was the first time going back to see art in person, and he happened to have a retrospective here. And it was a Sunday, quiet, really no one was outside. There was nobody at the museum. And we walked into this really... Um, kind of vast open space and he works very large and so he had maybe only like eight or so paintings up but it took up the whole space and the coolest part was that he just he was there (laughs) we walked in and I saw him I was like oh my gosh so we got a personal tour from the artist and he's one of the biggest artists in Costa Rica so he's now showing you know with New York in New York with galleries like James Cohen. So he's definitely a big deal. (laughs) So it was was incredible to just walk in, see his amazing work that I love and, and see him there. So I think those, those would be my two answers. I love that. And while you were talking, I went on Instagram and I checked out Studio Drift and I've, I've come across their work uh, in Mm -hmm. kind of public settings in the past too. I, I, the name was familiar, but I couldn't place it. Um, but guys, if you're uh, if you're listening and you want to go and check out their work, it's studio.drift on Instagram. Some very cool videos on there. And hopefully you come across an experience like Alicia did in Amsterdam or anywhere around the world where they do their installation work. Um, so thank you so much for sharing that. That was actually an amazing answer. And thank, thank you, Jasha, our producer, for um, throwing us a different question there. I really appreciate that. 
Um, so Alicia, now let's dive into some of the nuts and bolts questions for artists. Um, since the last time you were on the show in the beginning of 2021, uh, a lot has changed in the art world and a lot just has generally been um, different and continues to be relevant for artists and arts organizations. Um, with regard to like the almost forced time off that we had during COVID, uh, we've seen an increase of online interactions. How has that impacted the way that artists communicate with collectors, galleries, exhibitions, and so on? This is a great question. And my gut reaction is to immediately say that it's a good thing, but it's a double-edged sword. And I'll get to that part in a second, but I'll give you the pros first, because that is, like I said, my gut reaction. It's a good thing because it gives artists power. It's been the way that artists have been able to take more control of their own careers and to start making those connections directly with collectors, galleries, et cetera, on their own without having to, to have the gallery as a mediator. Um, and also, you know, gives them the connections to a wider audience, like we mentioned with collectors specifically. It's normalizing not having to be in a major metropolitan city. So I think this was obviously growing in the years before the pandemic, but now more than ever, you don't have to be in New York, London, LA, et cetera, to, to really build your career. And, you know, those I think are probably the, the biggest benefits to artists. But as I mentioned, there's also the flip side. There are the cons. And we're seeing a huge backlash on Instagram right now because people are not happy about the reels and the video being prioritized over still photos, which there is a lot to unpack there. But generally speaking, I think artists are feeling a lot of um, like that they're being forced to show up online. And there's a lot of pressure to make content as well as art. So that it it can feel performative to them. And I get that. I really do understand and commiserate. There, It's a lot of extra work that they didn't expect to be doing. There's just a lot of general feeling of burnout. Um, but, <laughs> you know, we, we do also have to realize that it's a free platform. It's, um, it, it's something that they're a business too. You know, they have, they're going to look out over their own interests. I wish it didn't come at the expense of at the expense of creators like artists, but um, I think it's it's going to be a learning process that we all have to figure out. So, like I said, they, there's there's good and bad. There's both. Yeah, that's a good way to look at it. And um, you know, it, and it's interesting because, for example, like we, you know, in digital marketing, we saw the shift to video coming quite a while ago, but um, but you know, not like to the extent where it'll be, I, I don't even know exactly what the change is. I don't know if it's, what, what is it, Alicia? Basically, they're going to favor, they're going to show videos primarily. The algorithm will decide to show videos more than still photos on Instagram. There's a number of things. So, I mean, generally speaking, still post engagement has been decreasing for much longer than the past yeah. like, six months, but right. now that's just becoming less and less. And so that obviously is difficult for artists who were focused on, taking just beautiful images of their work and sharing that. Um, there's a focus on reels, of course. They have to compete with TikTok. They did try to roll out a full screen feed, but they quickly pulled that because of the backlash. So um, mm. I don't know if that's going to come back eventually. Uh, for now, it seemed that um, people have kind of kept that at bay because of the, mm. like I said, the backlash that happened, but we'll see. Um, so those are kind of like the main things that people have been talking about online. But again, it, you know, as much as we like to think that, um, 
our protests will be heard, their business, and they're, they're going to look out for their bottom line at the end. Right. No, there's a little off script here, but what is a good resource for artists to uh, find out about the, the changes that are happening, let's say on Instagram, for example, which is a big platform that used by probably every artist listening or the vast majority of them. Is there a good online resource where they can see the latest news on what's going on with the platform and how they can adapt to, to roll with the punches? So, I mean, I try and get my news directly from the source. I, you know, follow, um, at Mosseri, who's, you know, the founder and then also, um, or one of the founders, right? Um, and there's an account called At Creators, so they share a lot of news just about how to, <laughs> you know, how to best utilize their their services and features for creators. Um, but there, I mean, I don't have a specific. I wish I did. Yeah, I like um, blogs and and different resources like that, but yeah. mostly I just find it from the different influencers that I follow. Like I follow yeah. a lot of influencers that specifically focus on. Um, using Instagram's tools and, and how to best utilize them. So it's, it's in their best interest to, to share what they know with everyone else because it's part of their own business as well. I love that. Get the intel direct from the source. Um, so I think we could do a whole nother podcast episode just about uh, the changing tides of Instagram, but I do want to move on to a couple other topics here. So Alicia, with such a blended background that you have from galleries, museums, and auction house and magazine, all the different things within the art arts industry that you've done. Um, what would you say is the most valuable skill you've picked up that just works across the board for all these different career paths? At first, I would say digital marketing, but it's, it's I can narrow it down even further than that. It's writing. And it's something that I did not even think would become such a valuable skill and asset to have. But thank goodness that I have it. And it, I fell into it like not naturally. It's something that I had to work out for many, many years. It's I struggled with writing a lot in high school. And it really wasn't until grad school that my grad school professors really kicked my butt into shape when it came to writing. So I'm thankful for that. Um, and then from there, it, it really touches all aspects of what I do. So in addition to running the gallery, I am a writer, so obviously I need it for that. I need it to do my interviews, my articles for the different blogs and publications I write for. But within the gallery work that I do, you know, I'm writing Instagram captions every day. I'm writing email newsletters every week. I write the copy on our website to make sure people can understand our vision and our mission. It's it's pervasive, but luckily I now enjoy it, and it's it's something that I love to do. But it's, I still have so much to learn with it. It's, it's like my creative outlet as well. So I completely understand artists. You know, I, I go through the same kind of phases. I love it. And then I hate it. And then I, I'm fighting with the words. And, but then when I finish a piece that I really love, I'm so excited to share it with the world. So, um, that has definitely been something that has just yeah. been invaluable in my career. I love that. And it's a good uh, a good segue. We just had a guest uh, interviewed this morning who we talked about writing on artist websites and how that's an undervalued skill and it's important to do. And I love that you kind of chose that as this universal skill that's really helped you in many different um, facets of the arts industry. Um, because I do think artists, is something to kind of take home is honing up your writing and getting comfortable with different types of writing, different styles, emails, um, grants for many artists who are pursuing that route. Um, yes. air applications, all these different things you do, 
honing in your writing skills, even as an adult, it's very, you know, you can do it. It's like, you can always improve and, you know, even take like a, you can take a creative writing, you can take a business writing course, you can learn from someone who you know is doing a good job. One of the things I'll often do is just emulate other people that I think are successful at things that I like to, that I want to be successful at. So if you know someone who's getting good results from the writing that they're doing, um, it would be nice to see what they're doing, maybe break it down a little bit and see how you can incorporate some of that into the way that you write. Um, so I love that we're talking about writing on an arts podcast. I think that's perfect. And that's exactly what we're all about here. So thank you for sharing that, Alicia. Of course. So when it comes to writing, back to writing for Create Magazine, <laughs> um, something that every artist listening should definitely check out. Um, what is the main focus of of that? Like, like, what are you guys focusing on when it comes to artists for the magazine? So the magazine started because my business partner, Kat Popova, who I think she's been on before. She's at least been on your previous masterclasses that you were doing on, on during the beginning of the pandemic. But anyway, um, so Create was founded because when she left school, she was looking for opportunities for her work and kind of had that struggle that a lot of artists do where a gallery won't look at you until you've been working for X number of years. You're selling at X price point. And so she just kind of felt like she was pushed into this void and there weren't places where she could really promote her work and start getting her work out there. So she launched the magazine. It was originally called Fresh Paint, but then it rebranded. I believe we rebranded in 2016 and then we rebranded as Create so that we could be more inclusive of all the different types of amazing artwork that's being created today. And so we focus on emerging artists working all around the world. I'm, I'll call us a place that we seek to um, promote top emerging artists. Of course, top is subjective. But what I mean by that is that we're really looking for artists who are unique, who are giving a, maybe a fresh perspective on something. And of course, high quality craftsmanship. What we're looking for are artists who, when people are flipping through the pages of our magazine, that other artists and creative people will be inspired and motivated by them to then start their own projects and pursue their own creativity and their own passions. I love that. So how can artists seek opportunities to be featured by Create? Is there a way to do that or is it only editorial? Like how, if, how, what's the best way to position myself if I'm like, hey, this, you know, I'd love to be interviewed? Good question. I'm happy to answer it because we get this a lot. So we, of course, have a call for art. We have that running usually every month or so. Actually, our next one coming up is our sixth anniversary, sixth year anniversary issue. So that's going to be a really exciting one. Please consider applying to that one. It's going to be very, very fun. And our team actually is going to be the one curating it. Usually we invite guest curators to do it, but since it's an anniversary issue, we're going to do it ourselves, which is always fun. Um, so in addition to our call for artists, we also just look through Instagram. We love using our platform that we've built and our community that we've built to find new talent. We have a create magazine hashtag, so you can use that. And we always look through that regularly to see what's popping up. Of course, being, you know, friendly follower, friendly subscriber, if you leave comments on our posts and, you know, we're going to be looking through those and we'll probably click through to your page to see who you are. So that's a good way to get kind of on our radar. Um, of course, I also mentioned subscribers. So we do try and um, 
give our subscribers priority. If you're already a part of our community, we'll be looking at your work. You can submit to us in a special subscriber call to art. So we'll make sure to see you there. And then, of course, we have um, our team of writers and each writer has her own taste. So um, all of us, we find artists through the shows and events that we attend, through research, but you can um, also pitch us. We do accept pitches, but if you're going to do that, of course, make them good. (laughs) I get a lot of them, so you need to stand out. And if you are wondering what makes a good pitch or how to even approach that, I actually wrote a guide for artists um, that outlines everything that I've learned about pitching because I've done it quite a bit. Um, And that's just something that I have on my website. But I also have some tips about it on um, the PXP Contemporary Instagram as well. I love that. Thank you, Alicia. Um, So we're going to come right back and Alicia is going to answer some more common questions from artists. But first, a quick message from our sponsors. Artists, are you struggling with getting yourself out there and selling your work? Well, you came to the right place. For seven years, Superfine Art Fair has traveled across the United States and connected with all sorts of art professionals, from curators, gallerists, a community of successful artists, and everything in between. We've developed strategies to assist hundreds of artists just like you take control of their careers, build relationships with collectors, and create the art income and freedom that they deserve. From New York City to San Francisco, Miami Beach to Seattle, your next art fair is right around the corner. You can apply to be a part of the fair when it comes to a city near you by visiting www.superfine.world slash sell hyphen your hyphen art. Mention the artist business plan during your qualification call and we'll take $150 off your booth fee for any city and any fair you choose. Today's the day to start taking control of your art career. All right, so we are back here with Alicia Puig. And so Alicia, moving on to common questions from artists that we're still receiving um, even a year after you've been on the show. Um, So pricing work is something that artists are always wondering about, but we don't feel like it should be so daunting. What what are some factors that artists should consider when they're pricing their pieces? Absolutely. This is a question that I get on my end a lot too. Um, Of course, I'd Shameless plug for my book, which <laughs> the create um, the complete smartest guide. We have a whole chapter dedicated to pricing, um, but I will of course give you my answer. The basics of pricing for me, or really I think across the board, are to make sure to account for your materials, your time, your experience, and then what I'm going to call the extras. So things like framing and shipping. Um, yeah, I think that kind of covers it. That was the first part of the question, right? <laughs> yeah, definitely. So you're pricing for your time, your materials, and then, I'm sorry, what was the last thing you said? Your experience. So, you know, yeah. the level where you are, whether you've been showing for a year or making art for a year versus five years, 10 years, et cetera. Cool. And and so we've been talking about the smartest guide a little bit. And, and you know, it says there's a chapter that's about pricing, which is something that artists ask a lot about. Um, how do you get a copy of the smartest guide now? It is available online, um, on Amazon and we also have it on Barnes and Noble. It's, uh, at Walmart and, um, yeah, it's got, (laughs) got picked up by a few other stores. And then of course there's a lot of indie bookstores that, um, also offered as well. And there are links on the create magazine website and PXP's website. Awesome. So guys, go to the PXP or Create Magazine website and you can see the local retailer that sells the Smartest Guide. 
Um, you can also order on Amazon. It, you know, it's super convenient. But uh, and if you live near a Walmart or Barnes and Noble, which many of us in the continental continental U.S. do, um, then you can go buy it there. Awesome. Um, so artists within smaller communities can often feel at a loss when trying to jumpstart their careers because the immediate network around them is so limited. And we kind of touched on that a little bit with like the effects of the pandemic, positive and negative for artists who are maybe not in a huge city. But let's say, you know, you're in this smaller city, smaller community. How do you go about starting off on the right path as a successful artist when you maybe feel like I'm the only artist here? How do you, how do you handle that? I can absolutely commiserate. I mean, Katya and I, my, my business partner, again, Katya and I, we went to Kutztown University. It is in the middle of Pennsylvania, smack dab in Amish country. So it's not like there were tons of galleries that we could just go and start visiting and potentially pitching our work to. Um, we luckily did have what they called the art bus, and it would drive us to New York once a month. And so we we did have the opportunity to at least start immersing ourselves in, in a bigger city um, periodically. But um, I would have to say, again, it kind of goes back to, to putting yourself out there and pitching. Um, that's been something that I've done since the beginning. I don't know where <laughs> I got the, the confidence to start doing that, but I think it was more like I understood the necessity of networking despite being introverted and shy. I knew that I if I really wanted to make it in this industry, that's something that I would just have to like put aside for the moments that I was going to be putting myself out there. Um, and I know it's really hard, especially I was talking to, or I, heard, I saw a comment on one of my posts lately from an artist who was just lamenting not hearing back. And sometimes that's even worse than hearing a no, because you're just, you really just feel like putting yourself out into the void and w- nothing's happening. But I do. I have a whole um, chapter on on rejection in, in this in the book as well. But I'll pull from that, which is like my biggest advice is you just have to keep doing it, and eventually, like that one yes always makes up for like the thousand no's. Even if it's a small thing, it's just you finally feel that validation, and it keeps you going. Um, but the other thing too is I I just like to forget. <laughs> you know, I I put as much effort into my pitches as possible. But once I submit them, once I click that send button, I just put it out of my head because otherwise I'm going to be refreshing my email every 10 seconds, hoping that they write back to me, hoping that they've seen it. And I've been that person. Um, I think it was like right after my college years and I was starting to apply to galleries and jobs and different things, I was obsessive about checking back and trying to hear um trying to see if I was hearing back on anything and it was, it was miserable. (laughs) So do not get into that um, habit if you can avoid it. I know it is difficult. Again, I very much commiserate with you, Um, but it's just about building your network. So even if you're not in a big city in a major art center in the world, you can still be putting yourself out there and going back to what I said in the earlier response to that question about how things have changed. It is a lot more normalized now that you can just reach out to someone online. You don't have to be in the same place where they are. And I'm a great example of that. I now live in San Jose, Costa Rica, which is not a major art center. There's a smaller and and I would I would say a small and thriving art scene here. There are a lot of 
really exciting emerging artists working and a few pretty experimental and interesting um, like small galleries and art centers where they can show. But beyond that, it's, it's not like people in New York or LA would really know what's going on here. So, um, but I guess instead, but (laughs) that hasn't stopped me from continuing to grow my career. I'm still getting curatorial opportunities. I'm still getting writing opportunities. And it's because I've continued to just network and put myself out there. I, I love that advice and the fact that, you know, we can accomplish so much networking from home now, which is something you couldn't even imagine like 15 or 20 years ago, let even like five years ago. So, mm-hmm. I mean, there's so much you can do to get involved and to get out there. And, and I do completely agree with what you're saying, Alicia, about like, you know, don't worry about getting no's because the yeses will be worth it. And I would always say like, no's are actually not bad because then you know, okay, I'm not going to dedicate that energy here anymore. I'm going to move on to the next opportunity or the next thing. Um, yeah. And not being glued to that. Like you, you kind of have to convert, you know, I'm, I'm kind of maybe, maybe expanding a little bit here, but like, um, you have to convert that, like, you know, that need, um, you know, to check an email and make sure, see if it was received or you know, so on into just a data point, into an activity, just like a checklist. Like, you know, every, you know, you just, you fire out the email and then you have a note to yourself or, you know, possibly you have a CRM uh, if you're that, if that's how uh, into marketing you are, yeah. um, you know, uh, or a spreadsheet even, or just a piece of paper next to you that says, oh, I, I had to email these 15 people. I did it on Monday. Uh, I'll follow up on Thursday. Just make it something you check off your list, like take out the garbage. Like it's not this huge emotional thing that like everything is riding on. It's just a thing you need to do and do well. And it's, it just starts to make it a lot easier. Um, it's something I learned like when we you know built this company seven years ago is like, I don't read the unsubscribes anymore on our, um, on our newsletter, but I used to read them. I'd be like, what? This person unsubscribed? They're like, oh my gosh, like I thought they liked me. And you know, there's a certain point where you just go, nope, I don't read my unsubscribes. I don't pay attention to that number. I just pay attention to the overall growth. Yes. Um, yes. So I love I that. Love that. <laughs> yeah, cool. Oh my gosh. I can so relate. I definitely yeah. used to do that too. <laughs> yeah, I think everyone did. Um, that's another like side tip. Don't do it. Yeah. Don't um, do it. Yeah. <laughs> So Alicia, this has been an incredible conversation. I think we could go on for another half an hour, but we do have to wrap up. Um, So let's bring it home for our listeners. Um, We've talked about a lot of different things that you do with PXP and Create and the Smartest Guide. What are some of the best ways that the artists listening out there could stay updated with what's going on with you guys and also take advantage of whatever interesting new things that are coming up that they might want to do? Happy to share. So it's quite simple. You can find PXP, my gallery, online at www.pxpcontemporary.com. And we're on Instagram at pxpcontemporary. I'm pretty sure it's the same handle on Facebook and Pinterest as well. Um, I do share a few things on LinkedIn too. So if you want to connect with me there, that's cool. Um, Send me an invite. Be happy to connect. And then um, Create Magazine is also simple. Just www.createmagazine.com. Again, please do check out our next um, upcoming submission cycle because that will be our six-year anniversary, like I said. And we're on Instagram at Create Magazine. So guys, check out Create Magazine on Instagram at Create Magazine and all the other ways you can get in touch with Alicia, Create, PXP, and all the other great things that they are doing right now. 
So hopefully you caught all of that on this episode. And if not, you can always listen to this episode and all of our past podcasts on our website at www.superfine.world. And to connect with Alicia, you can follow her on Instagram at PXP Contemporary and at Create Magazine, in which you very much should do and engage with both of those accounts because they are very, very cool. Um, please be sure to check us out on Instagram as well at Superfine Art Fair and online again at superfine.world. Uh, we always appreciate it anytime you share that you're listening to the Artist Business Plan. Give us a tag. We'll restore you. And also, if you have a moment, uh, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts whenever you have a chance. Those ratings and reviews take a few seconds of your time, but they're critical in helping other artist entrepreneurs just like you find us and get the benefit of our and our listeners' perspectives. Uh, and as always, I want to wrap up this class by sharing a quick quote with you all. And the quote today is, the most dangerous poison is the feeling of achievement. The antidote is to every evening think what can be done better tomorrow. That's Invar Kamprad. Uh, Alicia, it has been such a pleasure having you with us today. Thank you for joining us again and sharing your perspective with our listeners. We're super grateful to you. Thank you. You're very welcome. Everybody listening out there, have an awesome rest of your day. Remember to stay on top of your artist business plan. Get out there and make it happen. Thanks for joining us for another episode of The Artist Business Plan, hosted by me, Alex Mito, and me, James Milley. Join us each week to hear leaders in the art, marketing, and business arenas discuss tips and tricks designed to help you thrive and sell more art. To listen to this episode and all of our past episodes, just visit www.superfine.world and click The Artist Business Plan. And we love to hear what you have to say, so just follow us on Instagram at superfineartfair and shoot us a message just to let us know you're listening. Want to exhibit at an upcoming fair? Go to www.superfine.world slash sell hyphen your hyphen art. Until next time, keep listening, keep creating, and keep up your artist business plan.